الذين اصطفى اما بعد my respected brothers sisters elders students assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh so alhamdulillah once again we are sitting together on this friday night <coughs> to go over the words of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam the words of allah and his rasul to see how we can inshallah implement some of these beautiful lessons into our lives again just going over the words of the hadith as a reminder for myself and everyone bismillahir rahmanir rahim qala rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam inna ma a'malu bin niyati wa inna ma li kulli mir'in ma nawa faman kana hijratuhu ila dunya yusibuha aw aw ila mar'ah yankihuha fa hijratuhu ila ma hajara ilayh so we spoke up we spoke about last week last juma uh in greater detail about good intentions and at the end we talked about multiple good intentions a person can have the ta'addudun niyat concept having multiple good intentions if you remember we did the exercise of uh, performing two rakat salah and how many beautiful intentions a person can make at the same time and inshallah get the reward of all of those good intentions and <clears throat> we spoke about uh, coming to the masjid coming and sitting in the masjid what are, are some of those beautiful intentions a person can have at the same time so now is the time to uh, refresh our uh, niyyah and make sure that we all make those niyyat it's not only niyyah anymore it's niyyat multiple intentions inshallah so the nature of this world is that along with haq there is batil and along with righteousness there is ma'siyah disobedience uh, along with truth there is falsehood along with good there is evil this is the nature of this world wanahu huwa adhaka wa abka sometimes allah will make you laugh sometimes cry with richness there is poverty with health there is sickness with youth there is old age and in the akhirah allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will separate it all happiness youth richness and health will be in jannah and the opposite will be in jahannam so for us to uh, understand and appreciate all the good intentions and niyat that we spoke about another topic that comes under this broader discussion is that an evil thoughts and evil intentions I was just speaking with the Dora students today. Uh, after Salat al-Jum'ah, we had a hifz khatam, a khatam of the Qur'an, when one of the students graduated from hifz. May Allah accept his khatam and his parents' sacrifice and his teachers. And thereafter, we had the class with the seventh-year hadith students. So I was telling them, and I tell the hifz students all the time, that you do not realize your value that there is no one in the world really we could make this bold claim that there's no one in the entire world on the entire surface of the earth uh, who reads more quran than you do and how can you make such a claim is because your sabaq is quran and your pan sabaq is quran your sabaq para they call it is also quran and your revision your door your manzil your amukhta different words they call it different places is quran and today's work is quran and yesterday's work is quran and preparing for tomorrow's work is is quran 
So your morning is Quran, your evening is Quran, your night is Quran, your day is Quran, your night is Quran, when you're awake is Quran, when you're eating is Quran, when you're sleeping, your dream is Quran. So if there is, you know, they talk about immersion programs, the ultimate immersion program is that of a Hafiz. He recites so much Quran. We're not necessarily saying the Hafiz student is the greatest wali in the world or greatest alim in the world, or, but with respect to this is called Fadila Juz'iyah. And there's one is Fadila Kulliyah. One is in, to be uh, better in a specific field, and one is to be overall the best. So, for example, amongst the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, the Fadila Kulliyah, Afdaluhum bit-tahqiq Abu Bakr as-Siddiq. Overall, the best of the Sahaba is Abu Bakr Siddiq. This is the aqidah of all the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. We're not talking about the Rawafis or the Shia, of course. But the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, we have consensus that Afdaluhum bit tahqiq Abu Bakr Siddiq. Um, but specific qualities there uh, are, it's not that they could be, but rather there are Sahaba who may have excelled. Does it mean in every single metrics you take every single uh, attribute Abu Bakr Siddiq excels the entire galaxy of Sahaba that's definitely not the case he only lived two and a half years after Rasulullah and he was born two and a half years after him so he had the same age of 63 so if you want to take for example number of a Hajj performed as one metric there are Sahaba who, who performed 40, 30 Hajj 40 Hajj every year until they passed away and he only performed a few hajj up to the eighth year of hijrah it was not possible ninth year in fact he did one as amir before rasulullah he was sent tenth year with rasulullah hajj al-wada' eleventh and twelfth four hajj that's it as a khalifa too and in the life of rasulullah too so if somebody did forty hajj versus his four hajj with the sheer number of hajj if you compare that but it could be argued the quality of his four greater than the quality of the other's forty. Subhanallah. But uh, we see, for example, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He used a superlative degree known in Arabic as ism al-tafdil with respect to different Sahaba. Like he says, "Aqra'uhum Ubayy ibn Kaab." The greatest qari amongst my Sahaba is Ubayy ibn Kaab, radiyallahu And "A'lamuhum bil halal wal haram Mu'adh ibn Jabal." From amongst my Sahaba, the one who has the most knowledge of halal and haram is Mu'adh ibn Jabal. And Afraduhum Zayd ibn Thabit. Imam uh, Zayd ibn Thabit radiallahu anhu has the most knowledge of the intricate masail of inheritance, ilm al faraid. And Aqdahum Ali. Ali is the greatest judge, Qadi radiallahu anhu, karamallahu wajah. And Likulli ummatin aminun wa aminu hadi al umma Abu Ubaidah al Jarrah. So Abu Ubaidah ibn al Jarrah radiallahu anhu. Every uh, Ummah has a trustworthy individual and the most trustworthy individual of this Ummah is Abu Ubaid ibn Jarrah most trustworthy individual and Asdaquhum Hayaan Uthman right Uthman radiallahu anhu has the most Haya of this Ummah Ashadduhum fi amrillahi Umar I'm not necessarily going in the right order in fact probably a reverse order here at this point so, uh, uh, subhanAllah, with respect to Umar radiallahu anhu, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Ashadduhum fi amrillahi, Umar. The most strong and, uh, and having Ashadduhum fi amrillah in 
establishing the order of Allah, the one who has the most power and strength in establishing the order of Allah is Umar So the, the list goes on and on. Uh, as far as being the queen of the women of Jannah, the Prophet ﷺ, what did he say? Sayyidatun Nisa'i Ahl Jannah, Fatima to Sayyidatun Nisa'i Ahl Jannah. She's the queen of the women of Jannah. And Hassan and Hussein, Sayyidah Shababi Ahl Jannah, they are the kings or the princes of the youth of Jannah. مَنْ شَاءَ يَقْرَأَ الْقُرْآنَ كَمَا أُنزِرَ عَلَى مُحَمَّدْ فَلْيَقْرَأَ بِقِرَاتِ إِبْنُ Whoever wants to recite the Qur'an like it was revealed on Muhammad Wasallam, let him recite the Qur'an like Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiyallahu لَقَدْ أُوْتِيْتَ مِزْبَارًا مِنْ مَزَامِيرِ عَلِ دَاوُدْ O Abu Musa Ashari, you recite the Qur'an with the beautiful voice of Dawud alayhi salam. And Abdurrahman ibn Awf was Sayyidun min Sadatil Muslimin. He's the leader of the believers. Abdurrahman ibn Awf radiallahu ta'ala an. He's the only Sahabi who has a juzi fadila of leading the entire salah with Rasulullah performing the salah behind him. You might say, wait a second, didn't we hear about that? Or we read when Rasulullah was passing away that Nabi told Aisha radiallahu anha, Mur Aba Bakr fal yusalli bin nas, command your father Abu Bakr to lead the prayer as he made wudu, became unconscious, he made wudu, became unconscious, he made wudu, became unconscious several times. He could not complete the wudu due to his extreme fi- fatal final sickness. And then uh, she did not, uh, she was hesitating and finally he went. So in that incident when Rasulullah finally came towards the masjid with uh, two sahaba uh, supporting him, when Abu Bakr Siddiq anhu saw him coming, then he moved back. And Nabi joined and took over. So he was leading up to when Nabi came. Whereas in the case of Abdurrahman ibn Awf, this was in a campaign in a ghazwa. Nabi got delayed and they're waiting. So finally they had to start the salah. So they selected him to lead the salah. And Nabi joined all the way in the back where Abdurrahman ibn Awf did not see him. And he finished the prayer behind him. Subhanallah. So there are different juzi fadail. We can go on and on with this list, right? Of different individuals who have what specific virtues versus you have the overall uh, who is the best. Subhanallah. So we are talking about today, along with good intentions, we also have to study about bad intentions. Uh, and we have to study about bad thoughts, negative thoughts. To be able to protect ourselves from them. To be able to protect ourselves from these negative thoughts. So these negative thoughts that come, they, can come, they come from shaitan and they come from the nafs. They come from shaitan and they come from the nafs. The external thoughts that come, come from shaitan. Those that come from within are come from the nafs. And to be able to study them tonight, inshallah, we want to broadly divide them into three categories. The first is with respect to how they affect our aqaid, our beliefs. And the second is with respect to taking us towards shahawat and sins, shubuhat, shahawat. And the third is that which affects our ibadat, our, in, our worship. 
So there are ilqa'u shubuhat, itiba'u shahawat, and khalil fil ibadat. These are the three different types of attacks of shaitan. And the different negative thoughts that come into our heart and into our mind. And to be able to uh, counter them, there are different remedies, different du'as, and different ways we can focus on removing these negative thoughts. So the negative thought, first negative thought, is with respect to shubuhat and having doubts regarding faith itself. So with regards to negative thoughts of shubuhat, there is some good news and there is some bad news. So the good news is You want to hear the good news first or the bad news? You want to start with the bad, then you can end with the good. You have a good ending. That's good. Some said that If you do a sin, it's not rather if, when you do the sin, then follow it up with a good deed. The good deed will erase the sin. In the hasanat, you thibnas, sayyat. Rarely good deeds, they wipe out sins. So if you start with the bad news, Inshallah, we can end with the good news. The bad news is, uh, regarding shubuhat is that if a person falls into shubuhat such that he starts believing these negative thoughts and adopting these negative thoughts as his own, uh, then a person can potentially lose his iman itself. And there is no scope in iman in belief for any doubt. The reality of Iman is Al-Imanu la shak. Iman does not have a scope within it for any doubt. Because the definition of Iman is At-Tasdiq. At-Tasdiq kamil To have complete conviction. At-Tasdiqu bi jami'i ma ja'a bihin nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. To have complete conviction in the truth of the entirety of the message conveyed to us by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ijmalan fi ma'aliya ijmalan wa tafsilan fi ma'alima tafsilan. Whatever he gave us in brief, we believe in that in brief. And whatever details he gave us, we believe in all of those details. Min ghayri imarat al-takdeeb. Without adopting any outer sign of rejection. If a person says, I believe, but then he makes sajda to an idol, that's an outward sign of rejection. Or if the Mu'addin said, Ashhadu la ilaha illallah, then he says, Kadabta, you lied, that's an outward sign of rejection. Or if he desecrates the Quran, that is an outward sign of rejection. So there are af'al of kufr and there are aqwal of kufr, statements of kufr and actions of kufr. So that is why it says, Min ghayri imarat takdeeb, without having any outward sign of rejection and kufr. And he believes in all of this, Min haythu annahu rasulullah, from the perspective that Muhammad sallallahu is not just because he's a wise person or an intelligent person or a genius individual but rather because he is the messenger of Allah so this is the definition of iman at-tasdiq to have that firm conviction from the bottom of the heart without any doubt this is the book in which there is no doubt 
Abdullah bin Raha radiallahu ta'ala anhu, we covered his poem today in Sahih Bukhari class, is that he was one of the shayr of Rasulullah sallallahu There were a couple of different shu'ara. Hassan bin Thabit radiallahu anhu is the most famous one, but it was not only him. Abdullah bin Raha radiallahu anhu, he says, that he is the one who showed us the path of guidance after we were lost in darkness and blindness. So our hearts have this yaqeen. Whatever he said is going to come to pass. This is from the Bukhari class as I said today. This brings me back to what I was telling the Bukhari students. Subhanallah. What was I telling the Bukhari students today? That I started off the discussion. And I said that after Jummah we had two things. We had the Hiv Khatam and the Bukhari class. The Hiv students, I said that you read. Remember what did I say a few moments ago? You read more Quran than anybody in the world. Yeah. This is what I was saying. This is a juzi fadilat. Doesn't mean you're the best people necessarily in the world, but in, with respect to reading Quran, you read the most Quran. You have the, you have, and when I say, doesn't necessarily mean you're the best, you could be the best to some of you. If the people of the Quran are not the awliya of Allah, then Allah has no wali. So, inshallah, you will be friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there's no one who reads more Quran than a Hif student. What about Shaykh al-Hadith? But he has a lot of stuff to do. He teaches Hadith. What about Mufti Azam? He has to write fatwas, he has to give dars. Imam of the Haram, he has a lot of things to do. So uh, everyone else has a lot of different tasks and inshallah they take out some time to read Quran. But who reads Quran only Quran non-stop? The Hif student. Likewise the Dora Hadith student, he reads Hadith all day. No one else reads hadith as much as a Dorat al-Hadith student. Because every single class, just like every single hour for a Hif student is Qur'an, then every single period, every single class for a Dorat al-Hadith student, this final year, seventh year, ninth year of the Alim program, is just hadith. So you have Bukhari period one, Bukhari period two, Bukhari period three, Muslim, Tirmidhi, Nasai, Mimaja, Abu Dawood, you know, Sharaman al-Athar of Tahawi, all day, Muttamiya Malik, Muttamiya Muhammad, every single period, all period, all day, from after Fajr till Isha, post Isha as well. Particularly toward the end of the year when you have to finish all the books, it's just hadith, 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 hadith. Subhanallah. And even the teacher who teaches hadith, or maybe teaching Bukhari Sharif, Shaykh al-Hadith, the student of Dora Hadith read more hadith than he does. Because again, he comes and teaches one period, he has other tasks. Whereas the student is studying hadith all day. So I was telling them, for you to be able to appreciate what you have, you will never, you guys are in a bubble. You're reading Quran all day, you're reading hadith all day. His students reading Quran all day, Dora Hadith students reading hadith all day. And what is the condition of the rest of the world? It's hard for you to imagine because you are in this bubble. Bubble of what? Nur. Nur al-Quran, Nur al-Sunnah. Qala Allah and Qala Rasulullah. So you start taking everything for granted. But if you come from outside, as I do, I myself am an outsider to that beautiful world. Just visit a little bit and come out. Then uh, I can tell you how great is the blessing you have. Right. And the reason I even brought this discussion is for us to appreciate all the good niyat, we have to examine what? The bad intentions. That's why I even started this discussion. 
That's what they say. Al-ashya'u tu'arafu bi azdadiha. To be able to appreciate something, you have to see the opposite. To be able to appreciate uh, what Allah Ta'ala blessed us with Islam, that's why the scholars always have a detailed discussion of jahiliyyah. With respect to anything. Like you, for example, you take uh, status of women in Islam. Any book, any lecture, any discourse on status of women in Islam is by default going to explain what? What was the status of women prior to Rasulullah And thereafter you can appreciate how Allah how the status of women was elevated by Islam. Status of the poor, status of animals, status of the rights of each other. Right? Every, every aspect of the deen. So likewise, to be able to appreciate good intentions, we have to be aware of bad intentions. Now, let us get to the actual three types of bad thoughts. So the first we said is shubuhat. And shubuhat, I said, there's good news, bad news. The bad news is that if a person falls into the wrong aqidah, then the game is over and najat itself is lost salvation is gone a person will na'udhu billah enter the fire of jahannam frankly and very seriously because he has lost his faith the nature of iman is it does not accept any doubt so now when you talk about nature of iman there's nature of iman kamman and kaifan the quality of it and the quantity of it Quality-wise, it increases and decreases, for sure. Quantity-wise, if a person says that, I believe in 99.9% of the Qur'an, it's as useless as a person who says, I believe in 0% of the Qur'an. So when it comes to Iman, nothing less than 100% is acceptable. This is the difference between Iman and Amal. That when it comes to Iman, nothing less than 100% is acceptable. When it comes to Amal, 100%, it is never possible to have 100%. You can never be, you must be 100% Iman, and you can never be 100% in Amal. So think about that for a moment. When it comes to Amal practice, you can never be 100%. Why not? Why can't you be 100%? I mean, I, do, I did all the, everything I was supposed to do. You take any amal, take one salah, like the Isha we just performed. So if somebody said, hey, I did it. I've been there, done that. I did, just did it. I, I had my niyyah, I did takbir ula, I did first rakat, second rakat, third rakat. I did all the six arkan, 14 wajibat, all the 51 sunnah, sunan. I did everything from the sharait before the salah to everything. I studied the fiqh of it, everything, I did it. But the reality is, it's not just the lahir of the salah, it's also the batin. And even uh, who is the model for the salah? Rasulullah. Perform salah the way you see me performing salah. So he is the model. Externally, he's the model. How to perform it? And also the kifiyat qalbiya, the internal condition of his heart in salah, that is what we are supposed to emulate and try to follow as well. So his salah is the perfect salah. There can be no doubt about it. The ultimate perfect salah. Yet, Rasulullah when he would perform salah at the end, he would say, Astaghfirullah, 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 Astaghfirullah. And he used to say, Allahumma inni zalamtu nafsi zulman kathira. Oh Allah, I've wronged myself on great wrong. And he used to say, Ma'abadanaka haqqa ibadatik. Oh Allah, I cannot worship you the way you deserve to be worshipped. Because at the end of the day, no matter if it's a million or billion or zillion or trillion, compared to infinity is zero. So Rasulullah is the best worshipper, is the best of the creation, but at the end of the day, he is a creation. He's a khalq. 
Afdalul Khalq, the best of the creation. Whereas Allah is Khaliq. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, is Qadim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is eternal, azali, abadi. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has no limit to in his that and his sifat. So we in our finite human beings, mathematically it's impossible for us to fulfill the right of the infinite. We can never fulfill the right. So we will always be deficient in the performance of the aman. Whereas when it comes to iman, we cannot afford to be deficient. We cannot say I'll believe in 99% or 99.99999%. We have to believe in 100%. So that's the bad news. If a person loses iman, then all the good deeds will, be, will be, have no value. They thought they were doing good deeds will have no value on the day of judgment. Iman is a shart in a precondition for the acceptance of every good deed. So the stakes cannot be greater. Losing Iman means losing everything that ever counts. Will be of any value on the day of judgment. So that is the bad news. That we cannot afford to lose our Iman. That's scary enough. I, I mean, in fact, it cannot be anything, nothing could be scarier. If you say that you're going to die, you're going to be tortured, you're going to be, you know, any other pain of this dunya is what? Is, uh, pales into insignificance compared to Jahannam and Yom Al-Qiyamah. And that is why it's good that we are mentioning the bad news first. The good news is a lot of us, we have different thoughts that cross our mind. But it does not mean that the fact that a negative thought and a waswasa comes, that automatically you're out of the fold of Islam now. You have lost your faith. No. Thank God. That is not the case. Because in Kitab al-Iman under Bab al-Wasawis, there are so many different hadith of, that we have in which the Sahaba asked Rasulullah about such matters. One Sahabi, he asked Rasulullah one day, Ya Rasulullah, Iblis and Shaitan, they come and they are injecting such thoughts into my mind that I cannot repeat in your, in your presence. I cannot bring them on my lips, on my tongue. And I would rather that I would be burned uh, and turn into ashes than repeat those words in your presence. Such doubts are coming into my mind. Nabi said, Oh, you, already, you have reached the point where these thoughts are coming? So he thought he was doomed now. Nabi is saying, Oh, you, got, you're so, you're, you have uh, plunged to such de- de- depths that you are now having these doubts. Then Rasulullah said, No, no, no. You have the reality of Iman, so remain steadfast. Be- the fact that shaitan is coming and putting these doubts in your mind, it is because the thief only comes where there is a treasure. You have the treasure of iman, and he's trying to harass you and trying to steal it from you. So you have to protect it. And the fact that you're bothered by it, because how did he preface his statement? By saying, I would rather burn into ashes, right? Does that mean he, you know, like today, it's like coming out of the closet. Pride of this sin, pride of that sin, you know what I'm talking about. So people are out there proclaiming it. They're proud to declare themselves ex-Muslim. So we're not talking about those people. Of course, if he himself is saying, I'm ex-Muslim. 
or I'm a son of an ex-Muslim, like the former president used to say. I'm not a Muslim. Why are you calling me a Muslim? Just because my middle name is Hussein doesn't mean I'm a Muslim, right? So he's not a Muslim. Not yet. We make dua Allah grants him Islam. Say Amin. And the one who came after him too, why not? Allah. <laughs> and everyone, may Allah grant them all Iman. Uh, but Allah Mahdina wa Jamia. But if someone says I'm not a Muslim, then of course he's not a Muslim. But the one who has a, a crazy thought and he's disturbed by it, like this person who asked the question, the Sahabi Rasulullah, he's disturbed by it. This is a sign of Iman right there because he's disgusted by the thought. He doesn't want it. So something which is even more clear as Rasulullah said, In Allah Qatajawaza an Ummati Matawasat Bihi Suduruha Malam Yitakalam Biha Yam Biha Kamaqala. Verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forgiven from my ummah all the thoughts that cross their heart and mind. Until they articulate it with their tongue. Doesn't mean if they're just narrating that same thought. But rather, if they, if they have a negative thought, a, a, a very, how do I know Allah is true or Muhammad is truly the Prophet of Allah or the Quran is the book of Allah. Any doubt about the aqaid. It's not that they're just narrating it, but rather if they say, this is what I believe now. Until they speak about, they declare it rather. It's not narrating it or speaking about it. Rather, until they declare it. Or they act in according to it. Until they declare it as their faith, until they act upon it, Allah has forgiven all of those thoughts. SubhanAllah. So that is very reassuring. That's the good news. In fact, this reassuring good news is not something only limited to the hadith, but in fact, we find there's reassuring good news in the Quran. First, it was a test, and then the reassurance came. Where? In this last ayat of Surah Al Baqarah, well known ayat. Lillahi ma fi samawati wa ma fi ard. This is the same ayat which I read in the dome on top of you, in the, in, in, in the circumference. لِلَّهِ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ To Allah belongs everything in the heavens and the earth. وَإِن تُبْدُوا مَا فِي أَنفُسِكُمْ Whatever thoughts come in your heart, if you express them, O تُخْفُوهُ Or those thoughts remain hidden in your heart. Both of them, يُحَاسِبْكُمْ بِهِ Allah will take you to account for it. So the initial ayat comes, Anything that you articulate and you practice with your body parts, you make amal, you speak about it, that's tubdu. And tukhfu fi anfusikum is just a thought in your heart, in your mind. Both of them, yuhasibkum bihillah. Allah will take you to account for it. You are responsible. Now, when He takes you to account, He has two options. If He wishes, He may forgive you. If He wishes, He may punish you. And if you're saying, how, how can you do that? Allah Qadir. He has the ability to do whatever He wants. Who are you to ask? No one dare ask Him what He wants to do. Whom you salu, and rather you're going to be asked. That's why Allah Kulishin Qadir. What you like, He can do. What you don't like, He can do. Who are you to ask? So, now when this ayah came, some of the Sahaba they came on their knees to Rasulullah and they said, Ya Rasulullah, we beg and implore you that if we say something, we are accountable for that. If we do something, we are, we are accountable for that. Uh, we accept this. And we accept liability, responsibility for that. But sometimes there are different thoughts that come from shaitan that are beyond our control. So, um, in the most respectful manner, they're not objecting. 
They're saying that, Ya, ya Rasulullah, please ask Allah Ta'ala, how, how can we control these things? How can we be accountable for those thoughts? So Rasulullah did not say, you know what, you, you, do have, uh, you do have a point. Let me ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how are you going to be held responsible for this and see if we can work out some discount for you. <laughs> Make a plan. Let me go talk to the boss. No, he didn't say that. He Rather, he said that, how dare you object. He said that when it's physically possible, you submit. When it's impossible, also, you have no choice but to submit. Where are you going to go? You can't go anywhere else. You can't object. There's no higher authority to object. I'm only a Rasul of Allah. I'm messenger of Allah. I do not have any authority to change the rules. And you should submit. And I will submit too. And you will submit. I submit myself and I urge you to submit. Are you going to become like the Yahud in the past who said, Sami'na wa asayna? We hear and we disobey. You shouldn't say that. You should say, Sami'na wa ata'na. We hear and we obey. If it's easy, if it's hard. It's not easy, hard now. If it's possible, if it's impossible, still we hear and we obey. It's beyond easy and hard. Hard is still possible. This is impossible. Still we, we, we submit. So, they said, okay, Ya, ya Rasulullah, we apologize. We seek forgiveness. So he said, okay, I, I will say the kalimat of iman and all of you repeat after me. They said, okay, Ya Rasulullah, we will repeat after you. So he said, amantu billah, amanna billah. Say so they said, we believe in Allah. Wa malaikati, say we believe in his angels. They said, wa malaikati. Wa kutubihi wa rasulih. Say we believe in his books and his messengers. We believe in all his books and his messengers. Say, لا نفرق بين أحد من رسولي. Say, we do not distinguish between the messengers. This لا نفرق means by believing in some and rejecting others. It doesn't mean that we don't differentiate by keeping them all at the same level. As some misunderstand that. لا نفرق بين أحد من رسولي. We do not distinguish between the messengers. Meaning, hey, we believe in Musa. We don't believe in Isa. We say, na'udhu billah. They wanted to kill him like the Yehud. Or we believe in Musa and Isa. But then we don't want to believe in Muhammad. Rather, we believe in all. That's what it means. It doesn't mean that they're all at the same level. Some messengers Allah has given higher rank than others. They said it. Then Nabi said, said, Say, Sami'na wa ata'na. We hear and we obey. They said, Sami'na wa ata'na. Then Nabi said, Say, Ghufranaka Rabbana. Oh Allah, we seek your forgiveness. For what? For questioning the first time. And وَإِلَيْكَ الْمَصِيرُ Allah, towards you is our return. So they said that. So this exercise happened first. They actually said it. And after this whole event occurred and transpired, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the ayah. And that's why what's uh, it's interesting to note for the students of Arabic who are here, and for everyone else I can say it in English, is that when Allah ta'ala revealed the second ayah, which is what? The second to the last ayah of Surah Al-Baqarah, he doesn't use the fair amr which is an imperative verb. He uses the fair madhi which is a past tense verb. He's not telling us in these ayat, oh, you should believe. Aminu billahi wa malaikatihi wa kutubihi wa rasulihi. And qulu sami'na wa ata'na. Qulu sami'na wa ata'na would mean say, like a command. Say, imperative verb is a command. Say, we hear and we obey. 
Does it add what Allah Ta'ala says? Qulu No, he says Qalu. Qalu is a past tense verb. It's narrating something that happened. It's not insha'iyah, khabariya. So Allah Ta'ala is giving a news. So Allah Ta'ala says, Amanar Rasulu bima unzila ilayhi min rabbihi wal mu'minun. The Rasul Muhammad and Al Mu'minun, the true believers. This Al Mu'minun is referring to Sahaba. The Nabi and the Sahaba, they have Iman. They already have Iman. On that which is revealed upon him, Bima Unzilayhim. Kullun Amana, they all believe Billahi and Allah, Umalaikati and his messenger and his angels, Kutubihi wa Rasuli, books and messengers. And they said, لا نفرق بين أحد من رسوله. وقالوا, and they said, يعني it already happened. Like if I tell you, uh, one is I say you have prayed Isha, versus I say somebody who comes in late, you pray Isha. You see the difference? One is you prayed, one is you brother pray. So Allah Taala says here, وقالوا, they already said, سمعنا وأطعنا, we hear and we obey. غفرانك ربنا, we seek your forgiveness. وإليك المصير. We seek your forgiveness, our Lord, and towards you is our return. Then Allah Ta'ala says, don't worry. I just, this was like a test. So this is basically exactly the same type of scenario where Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala told Ibrahim Alayhi Salaam in his dream, in the famous story of what? Ya Bunaya, O my dear son, inni arafil manam, I see in my dream, anni azbahuka, I am slaughtering you. Fanzur ma'la tara, what do you think about it? Qala, he said, ya abati, O my dear father, you had a nightmare? No, he didn't say that. He said, Oh my dear father, if Alma Tu'mar, do as you have been commanded. So he, uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam, he didn't say this doesn't make sense. He got he took this beautiful son that he got in old age. who was running behind him, and he took the knife and he started to slaughter him. But Allah Ta'ala wanted to just see if he's ready to comply. Of course, changed it with the ram from Jannah in the well-known story. So likewise, here Allah wanted to see if they're going to accept it. Then Allah Ta'ala revealed last ayah of Baqarah. How does it go? لا يكلف الله نفسا Allah will not make anyone mukallaf or responsible for that إِلَّا وَسَعَهَا Except for that which is in their control. So if something is beyond your control, beyond my control, then you are not responsible, I'm not responsible. So these thoughts that come from outside, if they are beyond, since they are beyond our control, we are not responsible. So this is the good news. Now, these thoughts are coming a lot nowadays and on the increase because of what uh, we are being exposed to in our schooling system. So the whole educational system that we are going through and our youth are going through, it, it creates skepticism and to question and to doubt. So it's almost at this point that everyone will go through that phase. Particularly younger individuals in general have a lot of doubts. They have a doubts, forget about these concepts of aqidah about themselves. Like who am I, what am I, what am I gonna do in life, how will I grow, what, what is my future? You know, when a person moves on in life, he has his career, he has education, he's married, or she is married, she has children, you become more settled in life and you forget that the youth, how many doubts they have and how they are so confused about what the future will hold. So the, it is a very confusing time to begin with. And then on top of that, all of the different doubts that are, they are presented with at school, you know, um, explicitly and implicitly, 
that part of the education system so then they end up having these doubts now when a person the, uh, uh, if this doubt comes and if he thinks oh I lost my iman so since I lost my iman there's no point anymore that should not be the case that person needs to be reminded that if you are feeling disgusted by this and you're wondering why do I think like this why is this bothering me right then subhanallah what is that the sign of iman that is the sign of iman because the one who pro- proclaims himself billah to be an ex-Muslim or otherwise other billah, they're, they're not bothered by it billah, the worst thing is if they have lost that inner consciousness that is known as Allah Ta'ala بَلْ تَبَعَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهَا بَلْ تَبَعَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهَا بِكُفْرِهِمْ فَلَا يُؤْمِنُونَ that Allah has now sealed their hearts because of their persistence in kufr and denial now they will not believe. Summan, bukman, amyun. They have become deaf, dumb, and blind. And Allah has covered their eyes and their hearts and their ears. Subhanallah. So that those those are lost causes. Sawaun alayhim anzartahum amlam tunzirhum la yu'minun. Even if Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam comes out of his grave and invites them, he doesn't have to come out of his grave. When he was alive and he was inviting such people. Allah Ta'ala says it's equal. Doesn't make a difference for them because now their hearts are sealed to the truth. So those are kafir. But if you are, are being hurt by this thought, you are not a kafir in a'udhu billah. Okay, so this is with regards to the first type of negative thoughts, shubahat. Okay. Any question regarding this first one? Let me move on. The second is regarding just sins, shawa. So when shaitan, he takes a person towards sins, he makes an intention. A person makes an intention to commit a sin. Is that a sin, just making the intention to commit a sin? Because we're not talking about the sin, we're just talking about intentions now. So it, it depends. You may have heard that, the hadith, subhanAllah, that shows the uh, mercy of Allah, subhanAllah, the contrast the study. If a person makes an intention to do a good deed, he gets the good deed. Then when he does the good deed, he gets 10 good deeds. Exactly. When a person makes his intention to make a sin, no sin. When he commits the sin, one sin. If a person made the intention to commit a sin, then he changes his mind and says, no, I won't commit that sin. He makes tawbah, ends up in positive, good deed. So this is to show that subhanAllah, Allah is so merciful. It's not that when you made an intention to commit a sin, you get a sin right away. When you commit the sin, you get ten times the sin. No. That's only with good deeds. But is it possible that there's any sin that a person, uh, intention a person makes for a sin that actually counts as a sin? Yes. How, how is that? Well, there are examples of that. For example, Rasulullah said, If two Muslims, they take out their swords, against each other to fight فَالْقَاتِلُ وَالْمَقْتُولُ فِي النَّارِ the killer and the one who got killed both are in the fire so the sahaba asked a question which everyone would ask that Ya Rasulullah the killer he's the murderer so he goes in the fire that makes sense uh, again it's not we rejecting it because it doesn't make sense we cover that when it makes sense we accept when it doesn't make sense we accept we just want to know if we can understand how so we want to understand what about the one who was killed 
How does he enter the fire? Or why does he enter the fire? So Rasulullah explained that, you know, what did Idal Taqal Muslimani be saifayhima? Both came out with their swords. Both, he wasn't that one came with the sword and the other one came with the olive branch or with the rose bouquet. What did he come with? Sword. Meaning he had what? Full intention to kill. But he failed in his fulfilling his intention. He had the full niyyah for the sake of my nafs and shaitan. I will try to kill this person. He made the full intention. So, uh, but he failed in his attempt. So he will be punished for that intention. So he gets the sin without, without doing. Did he commit murder? No. He, he not only did not commit murder, he actually ended up dying. But he still gets the sin. Wow. So that means that sometimes if you make an intention, you do get a sin. That's why we have to examine the different levels of intention. مَرَاتِبُ الْقَصْدِ خَمْسٌ حَاجِسٌ ذَكَرُ فَخَاطِرٌ فَحَدِيثُ النَّفْسِ فَاسْتَمِعَ يَلِيهِ هَمٌ فَعَزْمٌ كُلُّهَا رُفِعَتْ سِوَ الْأَخِيرِ فَفِيهِ الْأَخْضُ قَدْ وَقَعَ Right, so Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in different hadith he mentions different types of thoughts which the shair and the poet he mentions these five levels in this poem he says مَرَاتِبُ الْقَصْدِ the levels of intention خَمْسٌ are five First one is hajis. From these five, the hukum and the ruling is at the end, but I'll say it right now. Four of the five, there's no sin. Only number five, the last one, there's actually a sin. Okay? This is, of course, we're talking about negative thoughts only today. So, the first one is hajis. Hajis is that thought, hajisun, halif jim sin. Hajis is that thought which it flies into the mind, it's just there for a second and goes away. It zooms in, zooms out, subhanAllah. The mind is so amazing, right? The neural activity of the brain is so fast. It comes in, goes out, doesn't stay. That's called hajis. Second one is khatirun. Fakhatirun. After that is khatir. Khatir, khalif tara. Khatir is khatara bibali. The thought that comes, it comes, it just stays for a while. And then it also leaves the mind. So a, a negative thought, whether it's a shubha or a shahwa, it comes, just stays for a while, and then it goes away. No sin for that. Number three, hadithun nafs. Hadal yatha and an nafs. Alif lam nun fa seen. Hadithun nafs. Hadithun nafs is a thought, hadith means to speak. So, the thought comes from outside into your mind and then you engage with it. It's like you're talking to yourself, you talk with it. You think, oh, should I do that? Maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. What are the pros, what are the cons? Immediate gratification, pleasure, no, but there will be punishment afterwards. No, Allah is watching me or maybe someone else is seeing me. Fear of makhluk or fear of khaliq, whatever the case may be, depending on the particular level of the individual. He talks about it, then he says, oh, I'll give it up. So when there's that dialogue, not monologue, dialogue, you are talking with who? With the thought in your mind. So uh, this is called hadith al-nafs. But then you abandon it, again that's forgiven. Yali hammun. 
وَلَقَدْ هَمَّتْ بِهِ وَهَمَّ بِهَا لَوْ لَا أَرْعَى بُرْحَانَ رَبِّهِ So like in Surah Yusuf. Hammun is really getting warm now at the level. It's number four out of five. Hammun is the thought comes like a khatir. Hajis, then it becomes a khatir, it stays for a bit. Then you start speaking with it, hadith al-nafs. And then hammun is like you start really warming to the idea. You're like, maybe I really should do this. But then you say no and you give it up. And number five is fa'azmun, azm. Azmun, azmul musammam is a firm determination. So firm determination is you make up, you, you, the thought comes and then you start planning the details of how you're going to execute it. You literally start planning the details. So a thought comes, na'udhu billah, something very wrong. Uh, we have multiple ages here. So for example, I can give it, uh, like robbing a bank. So he, he makes the whole plan. He literally has the whole plan. And he, he has the getaway car, he has everyone in position, he thinks about how he's going to bypass the security, everything. But then, if he's attempting to do it and he ends up failing, he will get the sin of that robbery. And we talked about in fact, we don't have to talk about a bank robber, we can go back to that original hadith. Which hadith? About the two Muslims, they take out their swords. The one who is killed is also going to go in the fire of Jahannam because he had the intention to kill. That's an azam. There are other hadith about azam. What other hadith comes to mind is Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, the one if you don't have to go into the bank robber, there's another robber. Nabi Sallallahu said, the one who borrows money and he has full intention, azam, that he is never going to pay back the loan. He's a thief in the eyes of Allah. It's just like he took a gun and put it at the guy's chest and said, take out, empty your wallet, write this check for me right now or else I'll blow your brains out. How much is a sin? That's a major sin, right? Well, the guy who comes nicely, please give me this loan, everything. And you know, with two witnesses, signs a document. But in his heart, his full intention is, I'm never going to pay this guy. Right? So that person is equal in sin. There's a hadith about it. And the, another example is the one, Nabi Sallallahu mentioned in the hadith, is the one who puts a huge mahar amount to a woman and he gets married, his intention is, I will never pay the mahar. Nabi Sallallahu said, he is like a zani. So, all of these are the fifth uh, category. Kulluha rufi'at. All of them, the sin is removed. Rufi'at means it's elevated. So, there's different rufi'at. What is rufi'at referring to? One say that the thin, sin is removed. Or also, it could be that uh, rufi'at means uplifted. Meaning the pen which writes down the sins. Of the kiraman, that pen is not down in writing. That pen is on pause, uplifted. Can you believe that? Imagine the imagery there. That's why they'll say that uh, in fiqh, uh, uh, someone is insane, majnoon completely. They'll say he's marfu'ul qalam. Subhanallah, what a profound word. Marfu'ul qalam. Leave him, don't worry, because if somebody said, if, if somebody said a, a really bad insulting word, some, he insulted someone, and then you get so mad, he'll say, leave him, he's literally 
like diagnosed completely insane. Pagal admi divana hai, majnoon. So the majnoon is what? Marfu'ul qalam. Marfu'ul qalam literally means jiska qalam uthaya gaya ho. Meaning the pen is uplifted. Konsa pen? Which pen is uplifted? The pen of the angel that is writing the sins has been uplifted, is not recording. Why is it uplifted? Because he's not saying. He's ghair mukallaf. So, the sin is uplifted. There's no sin written down. Siwal akhiri, except for the last one. Fifil that last one, there will be a sin for that. Okay. So that is with regards to uh, intentions and about committing sins. Number two, which are shahwat, sins. And number three is ibadat, meaning a person in his ibadah, he has different thoughts, negative thoughts. So, for, from the shaitanic perspective, Iblis's perspective, first thing he wants to do is try to derail a person completely off the path of Islam and make him an atheist or a non-Muslim. Because that is the pledge of shaitan. I will misguide all the children of Adam. I'll come from in front, from behind. Right and left. You will not find many of them grateful to you, O Allah. I will in, in fact, I will misguide all of them. Except for the few that you will save. That are saved by you out of my grasp. They will not fall in my grasp. Otherwise, everyone else will. So, the surest bet is, number one, to make a person lose his iman. So he'll say, okay, don't come to the masjid. Go to the become a, a go to the synagogue, become a Yehudi, go to the church, go to the mandir, go become a Hindu, this that, or become an atheist. If that fails, you want to remain a Muslim. You say, get out of here, Shaytan, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. So you don't fall into shubhat. The second attack is shahwat. You'll say, go to the casino, go to the bar, go here, go there, go to the dens of vice. Then if you say la hawla wa la quwwata illa, and still coming to the masjid. Then in the ibadah, he will change your intention. He'll try to focus on bringing other thoughts in your mind while you're praying. So this is the third attack of shaitan. This is khalal fil ibadat. So what is the solution? The solution is first of all to identify that these are the things happening. And then after that is we seek protection in Allah from shaitan. Because there's no one else that can protect us. Which words we have the words taught to us by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Amongst them and the words taught to us by Allah. Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, وَقُلْ And say, رَبِّي إِنِّي أَعُوذُ بِكَ مِنْ هَمَزَاتِ الشَّيَاطِينَ This is right at the end of Surah Al-Mu'minun, right before Surah Al-Nur starts in the 18th juz, before in the second quarter. وَقُلْ Say, رَبِّي إِنِّي أَعُوذُ بِكَ مِنْ هَمَزَاتِ الشَّيَاطِينَ Oh my Lord, I seek your protection from the whisperings of shaitan. وَأَعُوذُ بِكَ رَبِّي أَنْ يَحْضُرُونِ And I seek your protection from shayateen coming unto me. This is dua taught to us by who? Allah. Remember I, I emphasized, Amana Rasulu, Qalu Samirna They said, Allah was not commanding. Right? Do you remember? He didn't say, say oh, you people, we hear and we obey. Rather he narrated it. Qalu. But over here, guess what? He's commanding here. Here he is commanding. He's saying, Waqul, say. Qul, say. Rabbi inni bika. Oh my Lord, I seek your protection. So it's an amr, it's a command. So, and also, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam taught us a dua. What is the dua? 
the dua he taught us of course if you don't remember all these duas what's the simplest one you can't go wrong with that a'udhu billahi minash rajim fa imam fakhruddin razi rahmatullahi in his tafsir al-kabir how he explained this a'udhu billahi minash rajim is so fascinating subhanallah right i covered this i believe in one of the classes maybe yeah you may remember but for the majority of the audience just a reminder or for myself as well subhanallah he said that we seek protection allah ta'ala says a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim i seek protection in allah from shaitanir rajim from the shaitan the accursed so he asked a question he said that shaitan is an enemy right allah ta'ala says in the quran inna shaitana lakum aduwan Verily, shaitan is your open enemy. Regard him as your enemy. He is your enemy. Regard him as your enemy. He's there to attack you. He's there to destroy you. He's Aban Anjaddin, great, great, uh, your great grandfather's enemy and all the progeny's enemy. So you have to protect yourself from him. So he, then he says that, uh, how can you, uh, can you see shaitan? You can't see shaitan. Shaitan is invisible. So how are you supposed to protect yourself from an invisible enemy? Just like right now, may Allah protect the world and protect all of us from the repercussions of that. Protect those who are in harm's way and everyone else. This, this war is happening with Russia and Ukraine. So, so what have we been seeing for the weeks before? Through military intelligence, through espionage, all the troop movements have been known. Right? Everyone knew Russia is amassing its forces, 70%, 80%, 90% of the Russian military is on the border encircling Ukraine. They will attack from the north, from the east, from the south. Right? This is the whole world is watching. So, this is one of the most important divisions of any military is a military intelligence unit. So, you, you, know, you know, espionage. So, you know the strength of your adversary, your opponent, so you can protect yourself. So, you can knock out their defenses when you go on the attack first. Now, you don't even know where the shaitan is going to come from. Where is he going to strike from? So then Imam Fakhruddin Razi in the Tafsir al-Kabir, he says, how are you supposed to protect yourself from such an enemy which is completely invisible? You don't know when he's going to strike, where he's going to strike, how he's going to strike. So then he says that, subhanAllah, you can't really do it alone. So he says, not only he comes up with the solution, well the solution is there, but he understands it. He says that it's not just that you find a way to protect yourself from this enemy, you can actually turn the tables on him. Turn the tables on shaitan. How so? Is that you ally yourself with such a being who guess what? He is now invisible to shaitan. You can't see shaitan. But now shaitan can't see him. Neither can shaitan see him, nor can shaitan see his army. And who is that supreme being? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah Ta'ala says, لا تدركه absar. None of these eyes can encompass Allah. Meaning that those eyes that cannot encompass Allah are our eyes as well as shaitan. وَهُوَ يُدْرِكُ absar. He knows everyone what they're doing. لَطِيفُ الْخَبِيرُ In fact, not only Allah is invisible to Iblis, وَمَا يَعْلَمُ جُنُودَ رَبِّكَ إِلَّا No one has knowledge of the army of Allah as well. Illahu, except for him. So not only Allah is invisible to Iblis, the army of Allah is invisible to Iblis. 
So now you have, you know, it's all about alliances, right? North Atlantic Treaty, right? NATO, all these alliances, military alliances. So you make, subhanAllah, it reminds you of the Northern Alliance, subhanAllah, and Southern Alliance, Eastern Alliance, Western Alliance. <laughs> you make this alliance with Allah, and now you have the support of that. That's what they're saying. Ukraine, we're not, what are the UK, USA? We will not send our air force. We, that's what they're saying today, right? What are they saying? We will not send our air force to fight against Russia. Why? Because Ukraine was not part of NATO. If Russia attacks a NATO state, we will defend. We're going to just put sanctions. I'm not. I'm just narrating the facts. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just telling what's happening, right? So, this is what's happening. They said we will not. We will not fight against Russia because. Uh, it's not part of the alliance. Now, if you are part of the alliance, then we have to defend. So, now you turn, go into this alliance with Allah, and now the junood of Allah is what? Your army. Your, your, it will be in your defense. So, if for example, an enemy, Russia, attacks a NATO member state, then UK, US, Germany, France, the whole Western Europe and America, their army together will, supposed to at least come to the defense. Wallahu alam what will happen. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam entered into alliance as well with the Yehud in Medina. That was the agreement. If one of us are attacked, you will defend us, we will defend you. So he says, enter into the alliance with Allah. No one has the knowledge about the army of Allah except Allah. As I shared with my dear friends as well before, one beautiful example that always I love to narrate with this is an example of the army of Allah. An example of the army of Allah that no one knows is when Abraha came with his army of elephants. Because uh, we see this in, in, um, in a scenario of actual warfare. Because we're talking about warfare and alliances. So if you want to see, see this, uh, a representation of this in a battlefield scenario, a beautiful example of that is what? The army of elephants. Ashabul. Feel. So they came with the intention to destroy the Kaaba. Do you not see how your Lord He dealt with the with the people of the elephant? Did you not destroy their plants? And he sent upon them the birds. Now these birds, right? They it's not really a stretch of imagination to see that they are like an air force. Because they're air, and is and each one of these birds they had three pebbles each, three bombs. And in the beak was one, in the claws. Each of the claws is one. And now they are offloading their payload. The three bombs. And these bombs were literally penetrating the armor and the flesh and the bones of the elephants and the soldiers. And decimating the whole army. فَجَعَلَهُمْ كَعَصْفٍ مَأْكُولٍ Completely vanquished and destroyed the army of Abraha. So now we are living in this time when this is literally happening. What's happening in the news? You'll say that, oh, there's, uh, there's flight trackers, there's surveillance, there's drone surveillance, there's satellite surveillance. So if you want to see this whole contingent, this platoon, this whole uh, army of birds, this air, air force of birds that came, so which base did they take off from? And after they bombed the army of Abraha, where did they return to? Like where did they come from? Where did they go back? Where is the hangar where they all hang out? 
They hang out in the hangar. Or are they coming from some, you know, battleship? They don't need a battleship. They need to maybe come from some jungle, <laughs> if they're birds. So, aircraft carrier, I'm thinking of aircraft They don't need an aircraft carrier or air force base. They need to maybe, they came from some jungle, some forest. Where do these birds live? So this is the meaning of وَمَا يَعْلَمُ جُنُودَ رَبِّكَ إِلَّهُ No one has the knowledge about the army of Allah except for Allah. So the only way, Imam Fahadin Razi says, that you can protect yourself from the invisible enemy is if you ally yourself with that being whose enemy, whose army is unseen to Iblis. And the, and the way to do that is to say, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ I see protection in Allah from shaitan the accursed. Subhanallah. Now, Nabi Sallallahu also taught us a dua. The dua that Nabi Sallallahu taught us is, Allahumma ja'al, oh Allah make wasawisa qalbi, the thoughts that cross my heart, khashyatak wa dhikrak, always revolving around your fear and your remembrance. Waja'al himmati wa hawaya, make my aspirations and my desires. Fima tuhibbu wa tarda, be that which you love and what pleases you. Allahumma ja'al, oh Allah make wasawisa qalbi, all the different wasawis of my heart, khashyatak wa dhikrak, be revolving around your, forg- uh, your fear and your remembrance. وَجَعَلْ himmati wa hawaya, O Allah, make my aspirations, my desires, fima tuhibbu wa tarda, be that which pleases you and which you love. Tuhibbu, that which you love, wa tarda, that which pleases you. And lastly is that, do not continue to worry about removing the thought. Because as long as you are thinking about, why am I thinking like this? Then what are you? You're still engaged with it. Don't engage with it. What do you do? Disengage from it. So how do you disengage from it? By actively thinking of something positive. لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله لا حول زي ما هو البدل طائر. That's true. Somebody, I think you said لا حول. Did you say that? No, maybe I heard لا حول. لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله. Of course. لا حول عن المعصية ولا قوة إلا الطاعة إلا بتوفيق من الله العلي العظيم. That's what it means. No one can stop me uh, or any one of us uh, from sin and no one can bring us unto obedience except for the tawfiq from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so we can recite la hawla wa la illa billah three times and spit on the left hand side that's another treatment these duas are treatment and if you keep on fretting over it why am I thinking like this why am I thinking like this you're still thinking about it I don't want to think like this you're still thinking about it right so say la hawla wa la illa billah and then start doing dhikr of Allah send salawat on Rasulullah make istighfar engage in ilm Engage in da'wah, engage in ibadah, engage in taking care of the rights of husband and wife, spouse, children, engage in, uh, in service of the khalq, worship of the khaliq, anything positive. And we already covered that. Exercise. Anything you do with a good intention is what? Ibadah. So engage in something positive rather than continuing to remove the negative. Because as long as you're thinking about the negative with the intention of removing it, you're still in that circle. You have got to escape from that. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for you and for me and all of us to protect ourselves from evil thoughts and evil intentions. Any questions regarding this? Before the wa?
Yeah, if a, if a person recites Aadhu Billahi Minishtan Rajeem and he's reciting Surah Fatiha and he's in Salah and a waswasa comes about Iman, any thought. Yeah, so if a, any waswasa comes that's beyond a person's control, he continues on. He continues on thinking about the meanings of what he's reciting, contemplating on that. And uh, we are mukallaf, as I said, at the Zahir. And as long as he's fulfilling the sharait, the arkan, the wajibat of the salah, his salah is valid. The additional level of halawa of the salah, the coolness of ma'ayat in salah, those things are mawood, are promised by Allah. Mubasharat, glad tidings from Allah that may be given when Allah wishes. But it's not something that is ma'mood that you need to must acquire. That if you did not find that level of halawa, you need to repeat your salah. Your salah is invalid. That's not the case. As long as you, a person is fulfilling the requirements, if Allah wishes, He may grant him that. If Allah doesn't wish for him right away, He may not. But at the end of the day, He is submitting to the order of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like uh, one of the Mu'ayyad of Muftitaqiyah of Usmani, he mentions that a person came to one of his sheikh, I believe it was. Either Dr. Abdul Hayyarafi is speaking about his own sheikh or a grand sheikh, and he said that uh, I feel that I should give up praying because I've been praying for 40 years and I never got that sweetness of halawa of iman that Nabi Sallallahu had and the awliya have, and perhaps all my ibadah is wasted. So, what's the point of praying now? I should give up. I'm, I'm, I'm just been doing physical exercise up, down, kiss the ground, as they say. That's all I've been doing. It's waste. My whole life is wasted. So, I, I, I'll just give up praying now. So he said, hold on, stop. He said that, look, you just said you've been praying for 40 years. 40 years it was summer, it was also winter. 40 years Fajr was early, it was also later. And you were healthy and you were sick. You went through all these conditions. And you prayed, means you did wudu and you prayed the entire prayer to the best of your ability. So why were you doing this? It's only because you believe in Allah. You have iman. You believe in Allah and you did the ibadah that was ordered by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, I congratulate you on two points. Number one is the fact that you were consistently doing it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you the tawfiq for dhuhr. This means that Allah accepted your fajr. He gave you the tawfiq for asr means He did accept your dhuhr. He gave you the tawfiq for maghrib means He accepted your asr. Number one. Number two is you just admitted you never had any pleasure, right? So this means you have ikhlas. He said, how does this mean I have ikhlas? He said, you have ayn al-ikhlas. Because in fact, if you were deriving pleasure, there could be a possibility where you're doing it for the sake of Allah or doing it for that spiritual ecstasy. But because you were not receiving spiritual ecstasy, then why in the world were you doing it? Only out of a submission to Allah, that Allah is my master and I'm his slave. And I submit to the order of my master. So that is the ayn of ita'a. So you, you do have ikhlas. So alhamdulillah, we are not mukallaf and obligated to have those ahwal. Those ahwal may come. If those ahwal come, then what happens? It's great. It's a, it's a mubashirat, meaning it's a glad tiding that will further motivate you. But it is not necessary objective. Right? Mulana is more into these ulum than I am. So, uh, and, but I'm just, uh, I'm just uh, saying a few things that I learned from my akabi. That's why I'm mentioning their names. Because who am I to talk about ulum al-batin? Much less, even ulum al-zahir, but definitely ulum al-batin. This falls under they speak about these concepts that these kafiyat are a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if He gives 
But because Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he also said, It's in Sahih Bukhari. He said, do not belittle and make tahqir of a good deed and say, it's no value. Even if it is to meet a Muslim brother with a smiling face, which it's easier to smile, less facial muscles are used than frowning. Such an easy good deed. And even if you give a sip of water, but it's not your last sip of water like the battle of Yarmouk. Min dalwik, you have a whole bucket of water and you give one small sip to somebody. So it's negligible decrease for you because you still have a lot of water left over. You just give a sip of water to someone, min dalwika from your whole bucket, for the brother who sees water, don't look down upon that. This is another subtle attack of shaitan. He says that, oh your ibadah is worthless. Then what happens? You think you're being humble about it, but guess what? Since it's worthless, the next logical point is what? Don't give it up. What's the point of it then? So then you abandon it. Right? So you have to... But of course the other extreme is that you're so confident it's accepted. That's a whole ajeeb science. You have to be right in the middle. Bayna raja wal khawf. So we cannot, we should not, here we're talking about having so much hope that it's worthless, looking down upon it, has no value. So in your salah, as you said, you recited, A'udhu Billahi Minish Salaam Rajeem, Bismillah Rahman Rahim, you recited Surah Fatiha, if a waswasa comes, you just keep on moving forward. So the question is, if in a silent salah, what should you be thinking about? Definitely there's, you can do dhikr of Allah in the sense that I am standing in front of Allah. Malikul muluk, malikul mulk, tu'til mulk man tasha, wa tansi'ul mulk man tasha. You can even um, com- contemplate over Surah Al-Fatiha. Contemplate over Surah of the Qur'an. إِذَا قُرِيَ الْقُرْآنُ فَاسْتَمِعُوا لَهُ وَأَنْسِتُوا Right? When the Qur'an is being recited, loudly, فَاسْتَمِعُوا لَهُ Listen to it. And when the Imam is reciting silently, you remain silent. That's the order of Allah, right? There's the qirat khalf al-imam, is a big issue, a masala in fiqh. But from the Hanafi perspective, even in the silent prayers, we remain silent. Doesn't mean you can't think about Surah Al-Fatiha. You can think about it. There's no restriction on thinking over the meanings of the surahs. Thinking about something does not count as saying it. Ithbatan and nafyan. Like for example, speaking. If you start saying something, or you say, Na'udhu Billah, if someone sings a song in Salah, will that break his Salah? Yeah. But if, a, if the lyrics of a song are in someone's mind, he thought about it, would that break his Salah? No. If someone sees a text on, a, on the shirt in front of him, how long does it take between seeing the text and the mind reading it? Instantly. So if he, if he, if he, if he, uh, if he says with his mouth, just do it, what would happen? What a shaitanic message. Don't follow your desires, Allah says. Nike tells you what? Just do it. Obey your thirst. How about that one? Na'udhu billahi min Anyway, so, uh, you saw, if a person is praying and he, he says, just do it, then what happens? His law will break. But if he thinks about it, what happens? His law will not break. So what does that mean? The thought will not break. So it, go, it goes for you and against you. This is in your favor. When you see the sign, but how does it go against you? Because as a muqtadi, fine, you don't have to. But there's three types of musalli, right? There's the imam, the muqtadi, and the munfarid. The imam, muqtadi follower, munfarid by himself. The one who's praying by himself, what if his whole life he's just thinking about the surahs? He's not moving his tongue, he's not moving his lips. Then the qira won't count. 
for the qira'ah to count, the tilawah to count in the salah, you have to recite it. You have to say, you have to move your tongue and lips. Alhamdulillah You don't say it loudly, but you have to say it. Even in the sitter and salah, you have to move your tongue and lips. You can't just think about it in your mind. Okay? This is very important. Otherwise, the qira'ah won't count. And the qira'ah is what? Rukun of salah. La salata illa bifatil kitab. You have to recite Fatiha. Or you have to recite some surah. You must recite it. So you have to articulate it. Anyway, so the thought will not break your salah. Okay? Any, any other question? Or I think I know. Huh? Yes? Hmm. You're, not a, you're not responsible if it's a waswasa, yes? Uh-huh. Can you be like give it more specific? Yeah, if you are engaging, the question and will be in the answer itself. If you're engaging in such an activity that is inviting the negative thought, that's sinful. These are uh, thoughts that are coming from outside. If someone is, sits down. In with the muraqaba, intentionally meditating on a, on, on a sinful ex- experience, uh, then that will be a sinful act right there. So you're inviting and engage, you know, that. So if you're engaging in such activity that brings the sinful thought, that would be a sin. Needs to be avoided in miktoba. Inshallah. InshaAllah. Zakumullah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Rabbil Alameen. Allah salli ala sinna Muhammad wa ala sinna Muhammad wa barik wa sallam. Allah wa barik ala Muhammad wa ala Muhammad wa barik wa sallam. اللهم طهر قلوبنا من النفاق اللهم طهر قلوبنا من النفاق وأعمالنا من الرياء وألسنتنا من الكذب وأعيننا من الخيانة فإنك تعلم خائنة الأعين وما تخفي الصدور اللهم إنا أسألك إيمانا كاملا ويقينا صادقا وتوبة نصوحا وتوبة قبل الموت وراحة عند الموت ومغفرة بعد الموت والعفو عند الحساب والفوز بالجنة والنجاة من النار اللهم حبب لنا الإيمان وزينه في قلوبنا وكره لنا الكفر والفسوق والعصيان اللهم اجعلنا من الراشدين اللهم اجعل وساوس قلوبنا ذكرك وخشيتك وذكرك واجعل همتنا وهوانا فيما تحب وترضى يا رب العالمين اللهم إنا نعوذ بك من همزات الشياطية ونعوذ بك ربنا يحضرنا يا رب العالمين سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون السلام على المسلمين الحمد لله